Hello and welcome to the Imagineer Podcast, your unofficial guide to all things Disney. I'm your host, Matthew Krull, and you're listening to episode 133 of the Imagineer Podcast. In this podcast episode, we're going to continue where we left off with our last podcast episode, which is our two-part discussion all about Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser. If you didn't get the chance to listen to part one, which is episode 132, I, of course, encourage you to go back and listen to that before checking out this episode because we talk about the boarding process or the booking process as well as the boarding process and the pre-arrival process for Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser. We talk about day one, we talk about dining options, and there's a lot of great information that's shared about your experience aboard the Halcyon. In this episode, which is part two, we're going to discuss the storytelling elements of your two-night immersive adventure, the characters that you might interact with on board, some of the consequences of your actions and the decisions that you can make while you're a part of this adventure. We talk about your visit to Batu at Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, about merchandise, about a few other aspects of your uh, your stateroom while you're aboard the Halcyon, and some final thoughts regarding who this is best fit for, if this is something you should consider for your next Walt Disney World vacation, and some of the things you should keep in mind when thinking about whether or not this experience is right for you. As always, I do want to give a very special thanks before we get started to our sponsors, WDW Magazine. We talk a little bit about them in this podcast episode, so I'll just plug to listen to the end they, uh, because our special guests for this two-part episode are Steph and Danny Schuster, who are the owners of WDW Magazine and you can learn more about them, of course, by visiting www.magazine.com. And I got a link for you in the description of this podcast episode. At the end of the episode, I'll come back and tell you a little bit more about how you can connect with the Imagineer podcast on all your favorite social media channels and how you can help to inspire and create the future of this show. So grab some headphones, pull up your favorite armchair and enjoy this episode of the Imagineer podcast. definitely want to talk about story sort of pivoting to go mm-hmm. back to the storytelling elements there is i know a big overarching story mm-hmm. that connects all the events that happen as yep. a part of your adventure and it involves like anything else with star wars galaxy's edge or the star wars universe the conflict between especially the how they place it in the disney parks between the first order mm-hmm. and the resistance yep. how did you find the story unfolded around you and impacted anything that you did? And did you also find sort of a part two to that, that any of your personal actions on the ship had an impact in what happened with the the story and the conflict between the First Order and the Resistance? So absolutely, your actions will uh, impact what happens, and it will also impact the things that you get to experience. You cannot possibly experience every subplot, every secret meeting um, that happens in the course of a cruise. Um, There are three big, let's call them big story moments. These are like full on theatrical show elements, stunt shows, that sort of thing. One happens to kick off the cruise right away, 4 p.m. muster drill. Um, That is where you kind of get to know all of the characters. They set up that you're going to have this wonderful cruise. Then Lieutenant Croy boards and he's like, I'm going to look for resistant scum and ruin everybody's cruise. So um, then you start to see, oh, who does a captain side with? Who does a cruise director side with? What about the mechanic? And you start to like wonder what's going on and meet people and form allegiances. The first night they will, everybody will ask you nonstop how you feel about the first order being on board. And depending on your answers, both on your data pad, when you're getting messages from the characters and when you have in-person interactions with them, um, like depending on what happens, you that will set up the course of what happens to you on Batu the next day. At the end of 
the night, there's a cruise director's toast, which is just supposed to be a nice little moment, but something dramatic and evil again happens with the First Order, and they um, they actually capture SK-620, who's very important uh, astromech droid on the ship, and everyone's really upset because he's an R2 style unit, right? Everybody loves R2. So you have your own R2 on the ship basically. And now they're doing horrible things to him. And it, it really sets up that action again for tomorrow. You don't get another massive story moment like that till the finale on the final night when all of the things that have been happening in these smaller ways, the resistance is doing things, the first order is doing things, the smugglers are doing things, but it's all about this light side, dark side, overarching story. Finally, Ray and Kylo both end up on the ship and there's an epic battle that you get to witness. That turns out how you might expect it to turn out, given that this is between episodes eight and nine, yep. um, basically at a standstill and nobody wins. Um, but nobody loses either, which is very important. And um, so those all play into each other. And you can really see like the final night, Lieutenant Croy gives a speech and he actually calls out people who helped the first order, like by name. So they're on our, on our trip. There was a, a, a grandmother who there was this very large family. Like, yeah. Everybody went on this and trip. He was Mom, like, Dad, Nona, you helped me more than anyone's ever helped me before. And like gave a whole speech about how wonderful she was. So that is super cool to see. Yeah. The character actors, the main players. So I will say everyone on the ship, all the crew members, you know, your server at dinner, the people in the sublight lounge, the people in the gift shop, everybody has a backstory. Everybody will talk to you in universe and they're great and they all build the story. And they but all the, have their own allegiance. So you that's need to true. be very careful. That is true. Somebody kept saying that we supported the resistance and we kept being told we should not we be sharing that, that information. So loudly. <laughs> uh, that was from the guy in the gift shop, you know, who was warning me there's stormtroopers around the corner. Be cool, be cool. Um, but the the sort of the main, the featured players, so the the captain, the cruise director, uh, Gaia. Wraith, Sammy. Um, they are so remarkable, uh, the way they interact with the passengers. And, you know, nobody's perfect. They're not going to remember everyone's name. But they genuinely try. And the number of names that they learn by day two. Uh, and then so when you get to the evening on day two where we have this big finale, uh, there's an emergency that calls everybody into the atrium. And the characters are talking and they reference not only the events that you've participated in, but like they'll say, Stephanie, you smuggled in that crate for me and it was such a big help. Danny, you were there to distract the stormtroopers so that we could, you know, get access to the cargo hold. Like, or they'll, they'll make references to things um, like you might in your engineering session or your bridge training session, you might come up with like a code word for something and they'll throw that in, but it might be different every cruise because they're like, oh no, what if Lieutenant Croy comes in? What should we say we're talking about? And then we're like appetizers. And so then that becomes like a running joke with the people, the 20 or 30 people you were doing that with. On our first night, the captain. Um, so that's the overarching storyline. But unlike a Star Wars movie where all that focus is on Luke Skywalker or on Rey or on Anakin, the, the real story here is all the side characters, all the B plots that you're not seeing unfold with those brand name characters, right? So in this case, us helping Lenka or helping Captain Keevan. We were sitting in the bar having a drink and Captain Keevan comes in. She's like, oh, I hope you have a very lovely cruise. How do you feel about the first order being here? Oh, well, don't worry about them. We'll still make it nice. And two minutes later, she comes back. She sneaks in and snuggles into the bar next to us. It was so smooth. <laughs> it felt like we were in a movie scene. So like we're in the sublight lounge, we're enjoying our drink. And then all of a sudden she just slides into the booth next to us. I come and in the cargo room. 
room at 7.45. Yes, and this is an event. So, like, this isn't on the itinerary. This isn't on it any doesn't posted schedule. It show up schedule. on my data pad. I, like, put it in my notes on my iPhone so I didn't forget. And then we went down, and there were maybe a dozen or so people who showed up. She recognized us all by – we didn't have to tap in or anything. No, she recognized um, she our names we and our faces. And so the captain is sympathetic to the resistance. And uh, so we were there to discuss resistance matters. Another guest, uh, they had decided their outfit, their costume uh, was very similar to uh, Director, Director Krennic uh, from Rogue One. So clearly a First Order uh, officer. Empire. Technically Empire, sure. Uh, so he showed up a little bit late to this meeting and she like stopped what we were talking about and politely but firmly had this guest leave because she couldn't good conscience continue talking about the resistance she, with a clear uh, the earlier the he midst. had been dressed differently so she didn't know that he was uh, a dark side sympathizer so he showed up and uh, that wasn't going to happen yeah um, there, there are other things too, like any conversation that you have, whether it's on your data pad or in person, um, leads to another story moment. And it, and it might be, it might be something to help the resistance. It might be something to help the first order. There's a heist going on that Gaia is, uh, working on to return something to her home planet. Uh, Wraith has a whole thing where he's working to working in cahoots with the captain to smuggle coaxium on the ship, which becomes a really important story element when the first order try to take over. There's that also ties directly into when you visit Batu and do smugglers run um that whole coaxium heist then becomes how you, how well you perform in that ties back into this coaxium plot line on star cruiser there so that's wow. the smuggling there's a love story that happens between gaia's backup musicians um, and there's force things that happen too with the sajas on board and some of these things are the captain whispering to you or you getting a message on your data pad some are really like in uh in person things too like we got a portion of a note snuck to us yes. and we had to find it's part two of three we had to find the people with part one and part three so we could read the full message to find out what we were all supposed to help with what's so cool about this so like it's part of a message it's in english but the back is um so when you go to your stateroom you'll get letters you know telling you about things happening on the ship there's one apologizing to you for the interruption of the first order showing up so we have this note but on the back side it's actually the letter from the stateroom and this note came from the captain so she you know grabbed a scrap of paper, wrote it on the back, ripped it up into thirds and sent them to trusted people on board the ship. It's That's very, impressive. It is, it's very impressive. And it's not like you get locked into one story path. You're doing bit, little bits and pieces of all these different story paths that all lead towards you're probably going to lean towards the light side or towards the dark side, or maybe towards the selfish side where you're just doing whatever's going to get you ahead, which is fine too. <laughs> um, but you, you can be a smuggler. You can help the love story. You can help the resistance and, or you can be a double agent. It's really I've, up to you. It's, it is up to you. I will say about double agents, I've heard reports from other players uh, that they had wanted to be a double agent and they weren't ever successfully able to make the switch. Um, like they started, you know, they're like, I'm going to play for the first order and then I'm going to be a double agent and go help the resistance. But they, I guess, went past the tipping point and there wasn't really an opportunity to make that double agent switch. Your mileage may vary. <laughs> and it makes sense because they have a lot of processes on the back ends that help decide which how to categorize every individual yeah. and it, it involves a lot of you're right once you pass a tipping point it becomes more too challenging for yeah. disney to go back and adjust and capacity too there are a lot of things where you know if everybody is helping the captain maybe there's not enough sp there's all of these pre-finale events when you get back so first day you set up your story, you make your connections, you start to form alliances with people. That sets up what you're asked to do on Batu. 
you need to go to Batu. A lot of people are like, I'm only on a ship for so many hours. And I felt this way too. I was like, why would I bother? If I hadn't gone to Batu and done these missions, I would have had no more story, no more playtime. Because depending on what you do, night one, you get missions on Batu. Depending on how you do those missions on Batu, you will get more missions on board, more story elements, and what I will call like pre-finale events. So we were invited to two different pre-finale events that supported different character stories, but they're very small. They're very intimate. There's only so much space. So if every single person decides that they're going to play towards the force, there's no way that there's enough space to do the force semi-finale, pre-finale bit with 400 people on board. So I assume that that fills up at some point and they're like, okay, everybody else, what other alliances do they have? And then you get sectioned off into these other things. There must be some sort of, you know, and Disney's very tight lipped about how they actually. Uh, sure. That's their IP. This. No, but like there's some sort of master decision tree and you get placed at a different point on this chart and how you play, who you talk to, what your answers are, you start forking down different mm -hmm. paths. And then, you know, so I'm sure, so maybe you've gone all the way down one particular path, but there's a capacity restriction or some other issue. So they'll maybe go to, you know, what was your next most likely and sort of funnel you through the story that way. Yeah. Uh, there are, like Steph has mentioned, some of these events have very tight capacity limits. Excuse me. There are some events where we had to tap our M-band to get into the room to experience it. There are other story elements that are just happening. And if you're walking through the hall and you see Sammy the mechanic with a group of other passengers and they're doing something, you can just sort of say, like, I want to help or count me in and just kind of fold yourself into that group. Uh, you may not know exactly what they're doing, uh, but, you know, in a lot of cases, if you see something happening on the ship and you want to be involved, all you have to do is just make yourself present and uh, and they will try to incorporate you in. Amazing. You mentioned a couple of times now the the visit to Batu. So could you yeah. talk a little bit about what that experience was like, including the, uh, the infamous quote unquote box truck, which I'm not a fan of that description, but I am not a fan of that description either. <laughs> you never see the, just like you actually never see the outside of the Halcyon in person. You never right. see the outside of this transport to Batu in person. <laughs> yes. um, the inside is great fully themed. It looks exactly like what you would expect a space transport ship there to look like. There are seats. You can also stand up. Uh, um, there's some pilot, mood lighting. Your pilot uh, is, it's not uh, DJ Rex from Oga's, but it is that same class of droid. There is not actually a droid that you can see, though. It just, no. just talks to you and says he's going to put on the radio. And There's like plaques and stuff, you know, saying your driver today is such and such droid. Um, that would have been a nice way to plus it if instead of it just being a voiceover on a PA system, if it was either a screen or even an actual droid that was, you know, moving and stuff, that would have been great. That would have plus the experience. But it's like three minutes on this transport to get to Batu, And when you get there, you go in the secret entrance that's in the back. It's so well themed. You walk out and you know immediately that you're in Batu. It kind of looks like the marketplace. There's um, Lots uh, of like, like fabric hanging on top of. Yeah, there's, there's of like there. pipes and it's got that same sort of, you know, uh, 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 recycled uh, repurpose vibe that the marketplace there's has. concrete with scratches i asked a cast member what happened and you know they he said it was said a raftar yeah, raftar yeah, got raftar loose, got loose. <laughs> um there yeah there's all the fabric hanging above which is great for the three sons of batu so it's not too hot in there but it also looks good and brings you into the fold um and then there before you actually 
actually enter the land, there's a nice little waiting area that you come back at at any point in the day to rest or get a bottle of water or get help with your data pad. And then you walk out and immediately you're right across from milk bar. So, um, or milk stand. So the Thai echelon is there, the stormtroopers are there and your data pad just starts to fill up with all these messages because you do tap your M band, uh, when you arrive. So it knows when you've you've reached the planet and when you before you depart the ship you're given this special halcyon pin um which says uh what is it sigil of the select select. uh the language on the halcyon they're very deferential to you you know you're you're honored guests you're you know you're all vips they'll they'll bring you something they'll say oh here here's your drink it is my honor yeah so you get this pin that says sigil of the select and you put it on your clothes and you know like all things the individual cast members some are more into it than others uh some cast members noticed our pin and sort of you know added to our interactions some didn't really you know some were more excited than others you do get lightning lane access to uh, Millennium Falcon Smugglers Run and Rise of the Resistance. And I was really tempted to like run and take care of those and then do the missions. But I'm really glad we didn't. Yeah, because... these are special lightning lanes. They're not time sensitive. You can just mm-hmm. show up whenever you want. I don't know if it would have impacted our story if we did them first, but we did the missions first. And at certain points in the missions, we were given five totally different tasks for different characters to do. Um, I think that everybody's mileage may vary depending on what they did the day before. But at some point in those conversations, they were like, Captain Keevan said, okay, now that you've done this, this, and this for me, I need you to transmit that data to General Organa. You need to go find this resistance base. And she shows like a little um, a little photo of the entrance to Rise of the Resistance and tap your M-band so that we can send it to our satellite configuration. Yeah. Um, and so then you go do that. And it was very cool. I was like, ooh, I'm actually doing something right now. Yeah. Uh, you know, some of the activities on your data pad are similar if you've done, if you've played the data pad just when you're a regular park guest going to Batu. Scanning of the, crates yeah, and that you know, sort of thing. You're translating the language, you're tuning in frequencies. Uh, the gameplay is not exactly the same. Uh, and for people who are really into the data pad, any items like schematics or, or relics and stuff that you find, they do stay in your data pad and they're color coded different. So like everything that I acquired during Star Cruiser uh, shows up in my data pad with sort of a blue overlay instead of the regular sort of gray look that normal data pad items have. So for each mission, it's not just like one thing, it's a conversation. So it's like, oh, I see you're on the planet. Um, So the first thing I need you to do is go find this droid and scan him. And then you'll go find this droid, you'll scan it, and then it will give you another message. And it will tell, it's kind of like a little scavenger hunt. It'll tell you to go do something else, like tune a satellite or go over here, uh, walk up to somebody at Oga's and flash this uh, little symbol and they'll know what to do. And then you get um, Ogas we is cool. So you're given a coaster, looks like the regular Ogas coaster, but there's a secret QR code on the back that unlocks the next step of and the mission. We didn't need a reservation. Wow. We could just go to the person at the umbrella outside and we're like, um, uh, we were sh- told to show you this. And they're like, oh, don't show yeah, that around, that, but come over here. That and then cast they like was sl- great. slid this coaster into our palms, like really carefully. Yeah, he and- saw the buttons. He picked up that we were Halcyon guests and he like was right into it. You know, we like went around the corner to a place out of the way. He, you know, snuck the coaster to me very hush hush. Yeah. Uh, it was awesome. Yeah. It, again, it felt very. Uh, it was a story moment. It felt cinematic. Yeah. And then at some point, you, they'll be like, okay, great, you've done that. I'll see you back on the Halcyon. And you know you've kind of finished that story path. So we did all five while we were there and that we were given and enjoyed the rides at the appropriate time. And then we went back to spend more time on the ship that afternoon. There's a couple nice sort of additional amenities. So we mentioned when you enter Batu, you're near the Thai echelon, near the milk stand. It's a shaded area. There's benches to rest. 
Uh, they've got chilled. They've got like uh, Dasani water bottles. Uh, yeah, with the Arabesh labels. Uh, those are sitting in big ice buckets. That's all there to, you know, keep you comfortable. Uh, if you do want to go shopping, if you build a droid or build a lightsaber, you can just drop those purchases off back there and they'll send them back to your I state room. I actually heard that they're not doing that anymore. Oh, really? So I don't know for sure. I haven't seen a Disney announcement just in the fan groups that I'm in. Well, okay, so your mileage may vary. They <laughs> offered that service to us when we did it, and it's even more than it's in universe because they're like we have uh, we have an agreement with Onaka Transport Solutions. Anything you purchase on Batu, you know they'll they, they've waived their delivery charges, and we'll have it back to your stateroom for you. That kind of in universe language. Amazing and. You know, there's. I'm I'm so glad that they include that as part of the experience too, and that's an area where they, people talk a lot about Disney nickeling and diming. That's another area where they could have said, you know what, it's not included, but you can pay for your park ticket and go yeah. if you want to do it, and we'll yeah. add it to your itinerary. It's really great that it's just included in there for you, and it is because I know it's such a crucial part of the story experience and the mission that you're on as well. And it's so good to be able to just walk into the land. You don't have to go to the front gate, walk past everything else happening in Hollywood Studios, get distracted with Buzz Lightyear, none of that. You are allowed to go explore the park if you want to that's true but um you know we were dressed up we had like a han and leia disney bound thing happening and it was like very cool to just be there you arrive really we only fresh. did batu you know it was like amazing you're you're in the air-conditioned ship you're in the air-conditioned transport it's a very short walk down this hallway and then you're right there and especially for the guests who go full on with the costumes and people really do like screen accurate full you know body paint and the the head pieces and armor and the whole bit uh arriving and being right in the action i'm sure is a huge relief uh you know if you've got an elaborate costume yes for sure let's talk a little bit about a few other areas the first thing i wanted to discuss is merchandise Mm -hmm. because i know that you mentioned there's a, a shop on board the ship and oh. I believe there is some exclusive merchandise that you can only purchase as a as a member of this adventure. So what was the merchandise like aboard the Halcyon? It's like Disney sort of, you know, um, there's shirts and pins and patches and homeware and it's all exclusive. Yeah. Uh, and there's sort of two levels of merchandise, and this plays into the in-universe or at Disney aspect. There's the main gift shop inside the Halcyon. It's called the Chandrilla Collection. It's actually pronounced Chandrilla, oh, which yes. I'm still trying to um, get used to because for years of just seeing Chandrilla Starline, I assume that's how it was pronounced. So I'm rewiring my brain, but Chandrilla Collection. The Chandrilla Collection. Uh, everything, so that's inside the house, and it's off the main atrium. Everything in the Chandrilla collection is in universe. So I'm right now wearing a Chandrilla t shirt. Uh, it says Halcyon, it's in Arbesh, it's got a ship logo. Mm-hmm. It does not say Star Wars. Nothing that you get inside the ship will say Star Wars or Galactic Star Cruiser. Those are the Earth names. Yeah. There's a secondary gift shop that only appears when you check out in that sort of waiting area uh, outside when you're back on the on waiting the ground. for luggage. And everything for sale in that shop says Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser. It doesn't say Chandrilla Starline. It doesn't say Halcyon. Again, all exclusive. Uh, you can't buy this stuff anywhere else. Um, yeah, there's but- no, you can't just drive over to peek in the gift shop like, there, yeah. It's, yeah. Um, in the Chandra Law collection, uh, there, uh, I mean, apparel, it's, it's very much like being on a cruise, like premium apparel, really expensive jewelry, um, and then some other like 
barware and other nice homewares. Um, there's a lot of merchandise around the characters. So SK620, there's a few different models of SK620 that you can buy. Um, some of them you'll recognize, like we have one that is the uh, Droid Factory style droid. There's also a Droid Depot style remote control droid that you can buy. Um, there are models of the Halcyon, everything from a little tiny one to a huge, I think it's like a $200 light up model yeah, of the it Halcyon. It lights up, it comes with a display stand. It's a whole, you know. There's yeah. kind of like everyday clothes, like a hoodie and t-shirts, that sort of thing. But then there is also what I'll call costume, more cinematic costume clothes. Um, a, a, a cloak that's inspired by one that Padme wears in the original trilogy. Um, there's also things inspired by the um, characters on board. So like the kids can get a mechanics costume that looks like Sammy or a captain's costume that looks like what Captain Keevan wears. And those are all very cool. All of the cinematic costumes, they actually went to the archives at Skywalker mm. Ranch and looked at the original patterns and the original fabrics to make some of those costume pieces really accurate to the movies. Yeah. Uh, you can also buy things like, so I picked up a deck of Sabak cards. Um, and that are different than the ones on Batu. Yeah, you can buy these on Batu, but the set you get on Batu is a little worn and roughed up. These ones are like, they're nicely foiled. Uh, the art is a little bit different on the inside. I actually think it's also a different game. So uh, there's it's different... It's the same deck of cards, but it's a different set of rules. Yeah. This one is Corellian Spike. Yeah. Um, and in, in Batu, you pick up a set that's based around Coruscant Shift gameplay. Yeah. Um, it comes with an instruction book that tells you a few different modes of how you play the game. One of my favorite things, and I love to tell this story about the gift shop. So we're talking about how immersive uh, Star Cruiser is, and it extends all the way to the gift shop. Not just the fact that the clothes are in universe and they're from you know the Halcyon collection, but uh, there is secret merchandise that you can buy in the gift shop that ties into the story. If you know how to ask for if it. If you know how to ask for it. I got this tip from watching some YouTubes and some Reddit discussions. But if you go to the gift shop, try and pick a time when it's a little bit empty or quiet. Totally empty and quiet. Uh, and start up a conversation with the crew members there and sort of make it clear that, you know, you are not a fan of the First Order and you're concerned about their presence on the ship. Without uh, saying resistance, because that draws unwanted attention. Uh, and, you know, ask about any ancient relics. Or uh, ancient artifacts. And they'll take you in the center of the store. There's this display cabinet with the jewelry and the lightsaber and some other things. But there is a hidden latch that you need a special magnet to open. And so they'll, you know, look around, check for stormtroopers, open this hidden latch and show you this pin. That's a, it looks like a Disney pin. It's got a halcyon on it. Um, but it has a secret little flap that you can flip over that exposes this bright orange resistance sigil. Uh, and then, you know, you say ignite the light, the fire, ignite the spark, you know, you let it be clear that you're a resistance supporter and then they'll let you buy it. Uh, but again, this is all hush hush. So we were having this conversation with the store clerk and uh, once we confirmed we wanted to buy this pin, he switches the conversation and he goes, uh, oh, yes, this screwdriver, uh, you know, I'm very sorry to hear the door in your cabin was a little shaky. Uh, let me get you a screwdriver. That'll fix that right up for you. Uh, and <laughs> Just going to put this screwdriver right in this gift bag for you. Thanks so much for coming by the shop today. Yeah. And, you know, so that level, that's what we mean when we say this is immersive. You know, when you can go and buy your souvenirs, but it still ties into the story about whether or not you support the resistance and, you know, how you define your allegiance. But like, and it's just, it's a Disney pin. You know, even in like the Sublight Lounge, everybody had their own backstory. Like one of our servers in Sublight Lounge she was like, I'm a, I'm a, a Sabak addict and yes. I, so she, I can't play anymore, but I can teach people to play. Um, but her, her story is, is, is tragic. She's from Batu, and she got into debt being a Sabak gambler. And so she thought, I'm going to get out of debt. I'm going to take this job on a cruise, uh, a star cruiser that's going to take me away from Batu. And then isn't it just her unfortunate luck that the itinerary brings her right back? But 
you know, the more you talk to people, the more you get these immersive yeah. um, bits of interaction. She was great. Fantastic. Kelly or Keely? Keely. Keely. Um, if by chance she hears this, you were awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you're listening, Keely. I, you know, there's, we're talking so much about the story elements of this. And one of the things I did want to ask, because I think it probably comes up in, in some people's minds, they might not think even about it consciously, but it seems like there's, there's minute to minute action, which is, and a lot of, with some downtime, which of course, when you, when you're looking at an experience like this, you want that, that nonstop immersive adventure as someone personally who is an introvert, I find that there are times where sometimes it just gets overwhelming and mm-hmm. I need a break. And mm-hmm. that could be if I'm at the parks, it's very easy. I go and find a quiet spot or I go back to the resort and relax in the room. So for someone who is feeling like this is amazing, but I just I need to take 30 minutes away from this. Yeah. What sort of options are available to mm-hmm. that person? And along the same lines, obviously, in order to have the energy for all this, you need to sleep. So what is it like sleeping on the Halcyon? And is there certain quiet hours where you know that you can just relax? There's nothing that's going to wake you up and need to go and embark to the middle of the ship. So for your first question, the easiest place that you can go and have full control over how quiet you want it to be, how much stimulation there is, go to your cabin, um, unless you're traveling with a ton of people and they're in there doing doing their own thing. But you can always go back to your cabin at the any cabins, point. It's your 30 seconds from yeah, your cabin, wherever really, you are. They're really close. They're all right there. There's no waiting for buses and, you know, you just walk. But also... Um, the atrium is always open and people will just sit around, hang out, have a cup of water, have a snack, whatever. You might get kind of, uh, not even caught up in because in the atrium, unless you're a part of an actual mission that's happening, something might be happening off in the corner. But if you're okay to say, I'm like sitting here and watching the world go by, that's a pretty nice quiet spot. Sublight lounge also can be a really nice quiet spot, especially in the like afternoon time. Uh, you can just go sit in there. You don't, you can have a drink if you want. You don't have to have a drink. We ordered iced coffees one, one afternoon, just kind of sat in there. No one else was in there. It's very chill. It's not like Oga's. It's not a party bar. It's like not sleepy, but it's just very relaxing. Um, You can also go to the climate simulator, which is a very Zen space. So the the climate simulator, you know, uh, is accurately representing what it's like on Batu, AKA Central Florida. Um, and uh, it's quite lovely. It's very lush. They've There's got like these a living, living wall. Yeah. There's a rock garden. It feels very zen, like a meditation uh, uh, sort of spot. Yeah. Uh, so there's definitely space to, you know, unplug and, and collect yourself. Also, at certain times of the day, there's no activities happening in the bridge. And you can just walk in there and it is very relaxing in there. That's true. Um, big, big huge windows, looking out at whatever place planet you're orbiting. Um, there's actually some seating in there that I think is for uh, mobility access when you're actually doing um, missions in there. But you could just sit back, relax, and watch the stars go by. It's pretty nice. An important point about this experience for people who are introverted, uh, you know, so you do need to talk to people. You'll have a richer, fuller time on Star Cruiser if you get out of your comfort zone, go approach the characters, you know, throw yourself into it. That being said, you'll still get missions. A lot of the communication happens via the data pad. So you don't have to be face to face and you don't have to be thinking of a spontaneous answer. And you can choose how many of those messages that you answer. We answered every single one of ours, but I've read online lots of people deciding to only answer messages from, say, Sammy. So it's very choose your own adventure. I also suspect, again, I don't know the technology that powers this, but I suspect that to a certain degree, it's not so much which characters you interact with that you talk to. I think your physical proximity to the characters has an impact on your story path. Mm -hmm. Uh, We ended up on a lot of missions with Wraith Cole. That's Gaia's manager. 
We spoke to him a little bit on like the very first day, but not a ton. But I did notice that I often found myself standing near him in crowds, Mm -hmm. uh, but like not interacting, just like he was there and I, you know, kind of gave him a nod and whatever. Uh, And I do suspect that there's some sort of RFID or NFC or some near field uh, technology between your magic band and the data pad uh, that factors into uh, your story progress. Now your room is very relaxing. If you're, whether it's at nighttime or if you just need like a break in the middle of the day. Um, So first of all, there's a viewport in your room where you can see out into space and all the viewports on the Halcyon are linked because you're all in space together. So if you're going into hyperspace, you're gonna see that wherever you are on the ship. If you're in an asteroid field or orbiting a planet, you see that too. I found, I actually, you can close the viewport so it's really dark in your room at night. I left it on all night long because I liked just waking up in the middle of the night and seeing the stars floating by. It was really, really nice. the cabins, more like a cruise ship, they're small, they're compact, they're efficient uses of space. It's not a like wide sweeping, like two bedroom suite at the Riviera or something like that, but um, they're very comfortable. The linens are nice. They're the best bathrobes I've ever had. I wish they sold those in the gift shop. They were even better than the ones on Disney Cruise Line. Um, there are all of the normal H2O products in the uh, bathroom. In addition to, uh, or and additionally, the ones that we talked about before, which is like a luxury uh, bubbling yuzu champagne face mask. Um, so like at night, I just like get in my robe and do my face mask and feel all like cozy and fancy. Um, waterfall shower or like rain rain shower, like it was it was beautiful and very it chill. Is, yes, it's very chill. It's very calm. Uh, the rooms are another one of those things, you know, people saw the photos when they were first released and they said, oh, you know, it's a matchbox. It's teeny tiny or like, what's up with the bunk beds? They look so... The bunk beds are awesome. Yeah, it's all fine. Everybody, like there was this insane knee-jerk reaction, you know, and everybody wanted to say like, what are they doing? They don't know. They know. They tested these (laughs) things. They thought about it, you know. I'm about six foot one. I'm a fairly large guy. I didn't sleep in the bunk beds, but I climbed up into them to have a feel for it. And like, it's totally fine. And your kids are going to go crazy for those bunk beds. If you were traveling uh, with your family members or with a group of friends, I think the way that the bunk beds are actually done gives you a lot more privacy. There's no like curtain or anything that you pull over, but they're very, very spacious inside. And you kind of feel like your own little world in there. And I would have loved that. Like as a teenager going with my parents and needing needing a minute to myself, it would have felt more like a minute to myself than sitting on the bed next to them at the pop century or something along those lines. Um, the rooms are very quiet. We didn't hear any noise, uh, outside your door actually slides instead of a normal, uh, open and shut door, which is very cool. We spoke to, uh, some of the Imagineers and architects on this project. And apparently one of the hallmarks of star Wars design language is that doors are not mounted on hinges. Mm -hmm. They don't swing outwards. All doors in the star Wars universe, either from the ceiling or from the left or right side, but they slide into place. Yeah, that That's was Greg, so Greg Ashton that we talked to about that. Yeah. Um, there are quiet hours, though, to your point. Um, so the first day, really the action that is happening is between 4 and 10. We did have some outstanding messages from people that were like, oh, tap into this terminal and enter this code when you when you want to, that we had at the end of the night that we chose to do before we went to bed that night to make sure we were kind of all caught up. Um, but that's because we were go, 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 going before the big um, first night finale. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the next day, your missions on Batu are your are really your action. So whenever you go to Batu is when that mission when that action is happening. If you sleep in and don't go until eleven, the whole morning you're just chilling out. And then the action doesn't really start again until between three and four. Um, I think the main action starts at four, but we had bridge training I think at three thirty or something. So it started a little earlier for us, um, and it goes till ten when there when that final uh, climactic moment happens. 
there's a small bit of action after that if you choose to go to the concert and the dessert, uh, dessert party. party. But, you know, Sublight Lounge is open till one on the first night, till two on the second night. So you got a few hours there where you could just go chill, have a drink, chill out, have a tiny flatbread and... No, nothing's happening. There's no characters coming in um, unless you choose to play Sabacc with a stranger or something. No one's going to bug you. Um, so there's a lot of hours. It is go, 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 but there's also a lot of hours for peace. Yeah. That's great. I know that that's important for a lot of people. And it's also just important to, you want the immersion, you want the adventure, like I said, but sometimes you just need to step back and not feel like you're missing something. So it's yeah. good that they have that time really built in there. Um, sort of, sort of coming to some, some wrap up questions. The last specific question I have is regarding the, the departure process. Mm -hmm. And you, you talked a little bit about the pain point of rideshare might not be the most convenient uh, way to, to disembark from the Halcyon, but what was that the sort of the last few hours of your, your uh, departure day like? So we woke up in the morning and we showered and made sure our bags were packed. Much like on Disney Cruise Line, you can actually put your luggage outside your door that morning. On Disney Cruise Line, it's the night before. In the morning, as long as you have it out before 9 a.m., you don't have to take your bags down yourself. They'll do that. You can pick it up when you get off the launch pod, which is really nice. Uh, all the story elements are fully done. You'll get some wrap-up messages from characters sort of thanking you for your support mm -hmm. and wishing you good journeys. And, and you want to read those before you get off the ship. Because when Once you get you off disembark. the ship, there you cannot access any of your messages anymore. Um, so I actually wondered if that was going to be the case. And I took screenshots and screen recordings of all my messages so I could go back and look at them later. Um, but I would have been really disappointed if I hadn't done that. Um, you go for breakfast? You go for breakfast. It's that same all-you-can-enjoy buffet style uh, they also have little to-go pastry boxes if you just want to grab something and be on your way. Mm -hmm. Some people uh, are going to the park that morning. Yeah, you can hang out in the atrium. Important to note that the gift shop is closed, so you have to have done your souvenir shopping before then. I think that's why they open up that secondary gift shop uh, outside mm -hmm. of the ship. Um, and, you know, it's at your own pace, but they are... Very politely, similar to Disney Cruise Line. They're like, okay. They are politely pushing you towards the door. Uh, one <laughs> thing that I really loved so the night before, when you have the big climactic finale, the lightsaber fight between Kylo Ren and Rey, uh, it causes damage to the atrium. Uh, and that damage Visible is damage. still there the next morning. There's a big light fixture in the ceiling that sort of comes partway down. And, uh, you know, what was once this beautiful, pristine atrium when you boarded two days ago has shown uh, the signs of the story that you've lived through as you're making your exit. Um, wow. Then you get on the launch pod and you go down. It's a, kind of the reverse thing. You you detach from the Halcyon. You go through a little bit of a jump and you arrive back in Florida. Um, you walk out that concrete hallway and then you pick up your bags. You either get your valet car or you can ask them to call you a taxi, which for us, again, they offered to comp us on. Um, you might have a bit of a wait though. So for anyone who doesn't want to wait, most people are trying to maximize their time on the ship. There's no story elements. There's no missions that last morning, but you paid a lot to be there. I, I was like, I'm going to get my money's worth and stay around for as long as possible. So it was maybe like nine, nine 15. You have to be off by 10, um, that we got on the launch pod and, uh, we went down. So there was a bit of a wait to get like a 30 or 40 minute wait for a taxi, because again, they can only let a certain amount of cars in at a time. Um, but that's, that's it. Then you're back in Florida, man. You need a bit of time to decompress. Uh, so we were extending our vacation. We were transferring to another Disney resort. We had a few more days on property before flying home. And like, we needed time to process. You know, we we had so many thoughts. We kept, you know, talking over each other. Remember when this happened? Or what did you think about that? Um, but then you also needed like some reflection and some processing and a little bit of decompression uh, because it's such uh, an all-encompassing experience. Yeah. So it, um, I would probably, if I were in your shoes, be doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. I would probably front end or back end or both yeah. sort of 
you know, bookend my trip with yeah. a Walt Disney World stay. And I think that's also just because selfishly taking a plane ride there and a plane ride yeah. back yes, to exactly. maximize my time there. Is there any advice you would offer for someone who's considering this, especially mm-hmm. I'll say for those who know this might be a trip that replaces another mm-hmm. trip because there is a, a pretty significant expense, let's yeah. be honest, that yeah. comes with this two-night adventure. Yeah. So what advice would you offer for someone like who is this best fit for? Mm-hmm. Is there anyone who might not it might not yeah. be worth it for them? So if it is worth it for you, you're a big Star Wars fan and you're going, but it is replacing a Disney trip. If I would not, and you're flying in, if you're driving in and you have more control or you live in the area, it's fine. But if you're flying in, I really think you need to fly in the day before. There's so much that can happen with airlines, especially these days, traffic coming in from the airport, any number of things. You do not want to miss your time on the Halcyon. You don't want to get delayed by a snowstorm and not arrive till six or seven the first night. Um, So I would recommend really getting in the day before, even if you stay offsite at a more affordable hotel or something, get a value resort on property so that you can be really fresh in the morning, get in your costume and totally enjoy your day. Flying home, totally fine. Get a a flight at noon or later so that you can uh, take your time in the morning and leave. Um, If you don't, I don't think that you have to be a huge Star Wars fan in the sense that you know all the different yeah, armor of the stormtroopers if they're if it's like high republic era or like rays era or whatever you don't need to know all that you should have seen some star wars you should know that there's a light side and a dark side you should know who chewbacca is like those kinds of basic things um if you don't like any of that, I don't know why you would want to go on this unless you're supporting family members who really love it. I think there's enough to enjoy, you know, especially in that scenario where you're traveling as a family and, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe one spouse or the kids or whoever, they love Star Wars, but somebody else in the party is only lukewarm on it. You know, the story, it's pretty easy to identify the good guys from the bad guys. It's a heist. There's an adventure like, you know, there's still fun to be had and enjoyment in seeing the others in your party uh, really get into it. And if you are the person who's going to get in, even though you're not a Star Wars person, but you want to play with your kids, play with your spouse, really get into it. Maybe you like role-playing games. Maybe you like LARPing. I think you'd still have a really good time. I think someone who's not a good candidate for this would be someone like my mom. She hates Star Wars. She's very introverted. She's a very social person, but she's very introverted about like role-playing kind of stuff. And I think she would just end up sitting by herself having a drink in the sublight lounge, not playing and not really interacting the whole time and missing us because we would be off having an adventure. In those kinds of cases, I say bring mom along, but like send her to a different hotel yeah, and like go her, to the spa for a couple days yeah, or something. Check her into the Grand Floridian, you know, to go to the spa and do whatever yeah. while you go to Star Cruiser. That sounds Especially nice. if it's a longer family trip, you're there for a week, two days somebody in the in the family goes off and does their own thing two other days or while you're doing that and then the rest of the time you could be together as a family that would probably work really well you mentioned the price and obviously the price is a big consideration and uh, you know a lot of people balked at the sticker price when they first saw it is it worth it i think it is mm-hmm. I don't know how Disney could offer this experience at a lower price point. And I think that if they didn't offer it to this level, uh, it wouldn't be worth doing. No. You know, obviously everyone's financial position is different and, you know, how much you dedicate to vacation spending. And those are all personal uh, factors. I do think in terms of value for dollars, I am glad to have spent the money to have had this experience. I think a lot of people see it and they're like, oh, it's a hotel room and you get some meals and your one day of park admission. All true. But I don't think you're I don't think those people are considering that you have a dozen 
actors who are interacting with you for eight plus hours a day, Mm -hmm. stage managers, lighting directors, all that kind of stuff behind the scenes that you're not seeing. Many, many, many chefs, all of those kinds of things that uh, happen and and the people who are running the data pad stuff, uh, it's all secret and behind the scenes so that you're not thinking about it. So you have a seamless experience, but I can really understand why it costs what it costs. And I agree with Danny. I think it is definitely worth it. I think that families with small children, I know you have a little one of your own. Um, I've been asked this question a lot. What age is the right age to bring your kids to Star Cruisers rather rather than leaving them at home with grandma so you can go have an adult weekend? I think it's fine. Leave them at home with grandma, have an adult weekend. Cool. Um, But I think that your kids need to be old enough to have seen Star Wars to be tangentially familiar. I think they need to be able to stay up till uh, 10 or 11 at night because otherwise you're going to miss out on the action because you need to take them to bed. Um, And I think that they need to be able to not be too shy. They need to play confidently with strangers, uh, essentially, whether it's other kids doing Lothcat crew stuff, whether it's your family and another family that you've never met before end up on the same mission together and you have to help each other out in the engineering room. If they're not... Um, settled and confident enough to do that kind of thing. They're just going to be cowering in a corner, afraid and shy and not knowing what's going on. So that's a different age for every kid. It could be four, it could be seven, it could be 14. <laughs> like who knows, but that's, yes, exactly. that's the requirements, I think. I, I agree with Steph's assessment. We did see all ages on our cruise we saw there was this adorable elderly retired couple uh in matching x-wing flight suits they were having a great time we saw families with babes in arms Mm -hmm. uh you know toddlers uh you know seven eight nine ten year olds there was one kid who was probably about five and he was dressed as chewbacca so when the stormtroopers were looking for chewbacca he was just like trolling them and being like it's me i'm the wookie and it was (laughs) so funny he was having the best time uh you know like kid really you know it's hard to pin a number yeah. to the age but i think steph's advice uh, makes a lot of sense and it's also hard to pin if it's going to be worth it for you or not i think for a lot of people they go to disney world or disneyland all the time and then i think the question in the past has become do i try something different and try a disney cruise yes i think you should try a disney cruise it's awesome but if your annual disney vacation you've done the same thing for a lot of years you want to try something different i think that this can fall into that category too like let's do something totally different where I think this I don't I haven't seen anybody else talk about it but one of the reasons that I love Disney so much actually is from my childhood my dad worked a ton to provide for my family he like left before I got up in the morning he came home at dinner and then went back to work Um, and I appreciate that so much I learned so much work ethic from him but It was not until our annual or every two year trip to Disney for a few days that he, there was no smartphones in in the nineties. Like he put everything away and he'd pay nonstop attention to me for five days while we were at Disneyland. And we would talk and uh, play and eat candy for breakfast. And he'd ask about my favorite color and my favorite movie and stuff. If you want that time to connect with your spouse or your kids or your family or your friends, I don't think there's a better way to do that than all going on this epic adventure together to like restore balance to the galaxy. Yeah. Well put. I, uh, I, I think that's a great testament and a overview and providing advice for who this fits with and who might not be a good fit for. Uh, I'm glad you brought up the idea of, I, I actually don't call this a hotel. Um, no, no, no. like, you know, not. it does yeah. have a bed. It has a room where you sleep. Uh, you know, it's a disservice to call this a Star Wars hotel because it's so much more than that. It's like calling Disneyland a carnival. Yes. It's not, it's, it's not quite the same thing. Um, now, you know, to, to wrap us up, I know, of course, you're, you're here representing WDW Magazine as well. And that's part of the reason I brought you on here. So this, if you're, if you're watching at home live or if you're listening to the podcast episode, this is live at the beginning of May of 2022. So for those who are just day one watching or listening, what can folks look forward to when it comes to Galactic Star Cruiser coverage from WW Magazine or perhaps 
you discover this page like six months or a year from now, what can people do to go back and enjoy that content? Well, our June 2022 issue is going to have a huge, I think it's going to be 12 pages spread on Star Cruiser um, that talks about our experience, uh, in- integrates interviews with Imagineers and people from Lucasfilm that we were able to talk to. And that's kind of our first big piece. Um, that will be available in our print magazine, whether you're a subscriber or whether you buy a back issue, a collectible back issue in our shop. Um, but it will always be available in digital format with our digital edition, which you can have a subscription to, or you can buy one-off issues uh, with our app that's on iOS or Android. Um, Our digital edition is available in our shop, but our app edition, which is the same content just in a different format, um, is available uh, on your iPhone or your Android device. You can also make sure that you're following us on Instagram Mm -hmm. at WDW Magazine. There were some stories and posts from when we did this experience in March that have been bottled and saved, uh, but we'll always be posting new updates about our Star Cruiser Mm -hmm. voyage. We also have a bunch of videos that we're working on right now that will be on YouTube eventually. We're WW Magazine on YouTube and on all our socials as well. Later this year, in November, we're doing um, an an issue, all of our issues are themed and we're doing this issue. Our June one is Imagineering, so it fits in perfectly. And in November of 2022, we're doing an issue that's all kind of like sci-fi and fantasy world things. So we're going to be talking a bit more about Star Cruiser elements at that time. Um, And I'm sure we'll continue to talk about it as the process evolves, as the storylines maybe evolve, who knows what's going to happen. But Next winter, I can't tell you exactly what it is, but next winter, winter 2023, something special in Star wars is coming from WW Magazine. I'm excited to find out what it is as well. <laughs> I'll make sure all those links are in the description of this episode so people have no problem going to find it no matter when you're listening to or watching this podcast episode. But um Steph, Danny, thank you for spending two hours with me to talk about Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser, which didn't even feel long enough. Yes, we could have talked for two more, you know. Uh, I believe it. We'll have to have you back again at some point to discuss something else. But uh, yeah, but until then, till the spire, as they say. Uh, Galaxy stars light your Uh, way. Best journey is what they would say aboard the Halcyon. I need to get with the the updated language to be in-universe for Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser, for sure. And with that, we close out episode 133 and our two-part discussion all about Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser. I really hope you enjoyed this in-depth discussion, this rational discussion about Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser, some of the highlights, some of the things to consider, and I hope you found this discussion to be informative and helpful when you consider whether or not this experience is worth it for you. And of course, I do want to give a special thanks once again to Steph and Danny from WDW Magazine. As always, I encourage you to check out their articles, their magazine. I not only subscribe to their print and digital editions, but I also contribute monthly articles all about Walt Disney Imagineering. So just an extra reason to check them out. Of course, I want to turn this conversation over to you and hear what other questions or thoughts you might have about Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser. You can send me your answers and feedback as always in so many different ways. I would encourage you to reach out on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, or LinkedIn at Imagineer Podcast, on Twitter at Imagineer News, and you've heard me talk before about our Facebook group, which we've really been ramping up and providing a lot more valuable content. You can find our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Imagineer Podcast, or if you're doing it the, the mobile way, just go into the app, search under groups for Imagineer Podcast, and you'll find it there. Plus, I got a link in the description of this episode, which is always helpful as well. Also brand new, I talked about this in episode 132. You can also subscribe on YouTube. I've had a YouTube channel for a few years, but I haven't really been doing much with it. And I have heard time and time again that YouTube is a place that you all want to go to enjoy more Imagineer Podcast content. I listened, 
I thought about how to do it the best I possibly could. And so you can not only listen to this episode, but watch our discussion over at youtube.com slash imagine your podcast. You can see firsthand some of the merchandise that Steph and Danny were mentioning and some of the other details that were part of their storytelling experience, their adventure aboard the Halcyon. So I really encourage you to check it out, subscribe to YouTube and let me know what other content you would like to see there. I promise there's more to come, not just with podcast episodes that you can watch, but even more great content coming to our YouTube channel. Of course, if you don't subscribe to Imagine Your Podcast, the podcast, make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher. If you're listening to the show here, you've probably already subscribed, but make sure you hit that subscribe or follow button. And if you have a moment to leave us a rating and a review in Apple Podcasts and in Spotify, great places to help the show out and to let others know what they can expect when they listen to an Imagineer podcast episode. I also would encourage you to check out our Patreon group over at patreon.com slash Imagineer podcast. I've got a link for you in the episode in the description of this podcast episode. It's a great way to support the show and get bonus content that's just exclusive to Patreon members. We do bonus events. We have a lot of great content to enjoy. You can join the more than 110 members of our Patreon community again at patreon.com dot com slash imagine your podcast thanks as always to all of our amazing patreon members in that group and if you're ready to book a trip to hey star wars galactic star cruiser or any other disney destination it could just be a regular walt disney world vacation or disneyland or disney cruise line any disney destination i really encourage you to look into our travel partners including magical park vacations who can help you to plan out and book your vacation they'll wait on hold for you they'll make all the specific reservations and provide a great level of service that's complimentary to you and helps to not only discover how to save time in booking your Disney vacation, but making the most of your next Disney vacation. You can learn more about them at MagicalParkVacations.com. And if you want a little bit of an extra personal support, work with a concierge service at their sister company, WDW Park Planners which you can learn more about at wdwparkplanners.com. I've got links to both those places, as always, in the description of this episode. But they take that planning process to the next level. They'll have a one-on-one consultation with your family and come up with a personalized itinerary for your Disney vacation day by day, help to make theme park reservations, dining reservations, work through any extra activities you want to do. Truly an amazing concierge service and can help to maximize all that time that you have and provide on vacation support. You can reach out to their concierge planners at any time on your vacation. If you have questions or need to change plans, they really provide such a world-class experience. If you want a little bit of an extra personal touch in planning out your Disney vacation. Again, you can check them out at wdwparkplanners.com. Last but not least, I want to encourage you, as I always do, to go after your hopes, your dreams, your goals. Take that first step today to making your dreams a reality. And remember, as always, that inspiring quote from Horizons. If you can dream it, you can do it. Thank you so much for listening to the show, and we'll see you again in a future episode of the Imagineer Podcast. a place to get away? How about free? You truly belong here among the clouds on Bespin, the first stop on your Star Tours getaway package. Stay and play in the clouds and enjoy the spectacular Galaxy in the Skies fireworks pageant every single night. The fun continues on the forest moon of Endor, where you'll sleep under the stars with the lovable Ewoks in their charming tribal villages. 
Your third stop brings you to the peaceful world of Alderaan, where you can relax in a natural wonderland, recently voted safest planet in the galaxy by Hyperspace Traveler. This Star Tours getaway package is three times the fun in one, so ask your travel consultant to book yours today.